Welcome to Birth Stories in Color, a podcast creating community for people of color to share and learn from birth stories of all types. We're your hosts, Laurel Gurrier and Danielle Jackson. Today's episode features Delane Bradley. Having this podcast allows us to really explore all parts and all facets of the birthing experience. The highs, lows, expected and unexpected. Delane's story contains all the twists and turns, navigating a stressful pregnancy, unexpected early delivery, but finding joy in the end. Hello, Delane. Welcome to the show. Hey, how are you guys doing? We are well. well. So happy to have you. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I'm super excited. (laughs) (laughs) Delane, can you start by telling a little bit about yourself and your family? Yes. So uh, I am 30 years old. I am originally from Orange, New Jersey, so super small town. I currently live in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, I am a mom of three with number four on the way in January. So that's like, ooh. (laughs) I am an accountant, uh, tax strategist, and certified grant writer. Uh, I do have my own accounting firm. So I was able to transition from corporate America to opening up my own firm. So that's super exciting, but it allows me to have the freedom to stay home with my children, create more memories with them, create more memories with my husband. And it's just been a super cool roller coaster. So that's, that's a little bit about us doing the whole virtual learning thing, which is a whole another task all by itself, but we're getting the hang of it. Uh, and then, you know, tackling, this new pregnancy is another uh, roller coaster, but this one is, you know, more, a little more exciting and less stressful than the one we're going to talk about today. <laughs> yes, I like how you said uh, the roller coaster. Cause that's- oh, that's exactly what it is. It's up and down, <laughs> up and down. It's never going to be just up. It's just never going to be down. It's always right. going to be up and down. Never perfect, but right. it's life. Mm-hmm. life. Well, can you start off by telling us a little bit about the pregnancy? Yes. So when I was pregnant with my third child, her name is Drew, Drew Precious. She was my smallest child and she's still short. Doctor says she might be five feet, five one when she grows up. That's how short she is now. Uh, But when I found out I was pregnant, I was devastated. I already had two children close in age. They were 17 months apart. At the time, uh, one was three and no, one was four and one was three. Uh, So I was like, oh, I have my two kids, boy and girl, I'm good. And then boom, pregnant again. So after going through the whole, oh my God, I'm pregnant again. What am I going to do? this is going to suck. I got over it. I'm like, okay, might as well like embrace this whole thing. Uh, but then, you know, with pregnancy comes changes. So changes to work. And I was in corporate America and changes to uh, my previous marriage because we were not getting along. We were butting heads. Uh, when I got pregnant, we were actually separated. So we decided to well, you're pregnant, so let's just, you know, be a whole big happy family again. And it was super fake. We were just, you know, faking it till we're making it for the baby. And nobody was happy. Uh, since we were faking it, I wasn't happy. And, you know, that happiness uh, and that stress goes directly to the baby. So every time I was 
uh, going to the doctor's office, they were like, listen, you know, we feel like you have some sort of depression. And I'm like, I'm not depressed. I'm just going through life. I'm not depressed. I'm just going through life. This is, you know, this is just life. And it's like, we just feel like the baby's a little stressed and we need you to take off of work for a couple of weeks, go on bed rest. And I'm like, eh, no, not happening. Not, and I didn't listen. Uh, and that's completely my fault. But you know, when you're stuck between a rock and a hard place, it's like, you don't really have a choice what to do. I'm just going to rock this out and we'll see what happens. And you're like hoping nothing happens. And then something tragic does end up happening. So yeah. That transparency is really um, appreciated. I, I know we've talked about it a couple of times about how when you hear stories about people getting pregnant, we only talk like we 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 don't discuss how it can be so layered and different for other people, mm-hmm. uh, for all people. Like sometimes we're not excited. Sometimes it's very unexpected. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're not in a position of wanting um, to be pregnant, and that's okay. Yeah. And that's normal. And that happens. Um, And working through all the emotions of what that means, because having children, expanding your family, being pregnant, having birth are huge things. (laughs) They change. Yes. Huge shifts. They change you for sure. Um, And especially, you know, um, when you're trying to manage a relationship with a partner. Yeah. Completely different completely separated from pregnancy like people try to put it all together and it's not the same your pregnancy is separated from your personal issues and your marriage and it can definitely affect all factors so that's something that not too many people prepare for or is it talked about it's supposed to be this joyous time and not everybody is joyous because they have different things going on in their lives and they're going through different journeys absolutely So how did you prepare for your birth? And was this something that you were thinking about throughout the pregnancy? Yes. So I knew that I was going to be, uh, I was going to be at the hospital. So I knew automatically uh, my birthing journey was going to be in the hospital. I didn't have quite a birthing plan uh, because I guess, I guess around the time I wasn't educated on creating a birthing plan, I just thought, okay, when it's time, water's going to break, or I'm going to have crazy contractions like the other two, and I'm just going to go to the hospital. Uh, And that's usually what happens. I usually, my water either breaks at home or when I'm out, and I'm like, okay, well, my bag is already packed, and let's just go to the hospital. So when I was around 34 weeks, I had my appointment with my doctor. And he told me, you're going to have to do another stress test. He said, because the way uh, your pulse is and the answers, you know, the questions that they ask you, like, how are you feeling emotionally? He's like, I'm not liking those answers. And I took a stress test and it was not good. So he said, I feel like, you know, something's going on with the baby. So they did a quick ultrasound and he said, I'm going to have to check you. And I was already two centimeters dilated. So he was like, oh, now you're going to have to really go on bed rest. (laughs) And I'm like, I have bills to pay. Like, this is what people don't understand what a pregnancy is. If if it's unexpected, it also uh, occurs more revenue and you have to continue working. Some people don't have the luxury of just staying at home and uh, hubby just taking care of them. Sometimes you still need two incomes in a household just to sustain 
uh, everything. So I was still working. I'm like, I have a car note. I have half the rent to pay. Uh, I have groceries. I have children and daycare. There's no way I can go on bed rest. And I'm like, I'm sitting at work. You know, I, I have a desk job. I'm not going to go into labor early. I'm going to be completely fine. So I decided to not go on bed rest. I told him I would. He gave me the note for my job, ripped it up, like whatever. <laughs> and I went to work. And a week later, I didn't feel good at all. I said, something does not feel right. So my supervisor said, you know, why don't you just take a day, go home, rest, and then come back tomorrow? I said, okay, no problem. As soon as I walked up the steps to go to my apartment, my water broke. And that's when I was like, oh, <laughs> I have to go to the hospital now. And I was not prepared. I'm thinking, okay, I'm 35 weeks, you know it's okay. They're going to stop the contractions. They're going to, you know, cause I've heard that you can, even though your water has broken, they can, you know, have different ways or methods to stop contractions, stop the baby from coming or, you know, get the baby prepared. And when I went to the hospital, uh, they were like, this baby is coming either today or tomorrow. There's no way that we can stop these contractions. You're already dilated to five and a half centimeters, almost six. Uh, and they're like, what have you been doing? We told you to go on bed rest. And I was like, well, I've still been at work, but I was sitting, you know, I was not moving around. I'm, I, I, I work at a desk. Like I don't move. I go to the bathroom, go to lunch and I'm done. Same thing you do at home. You're sleeping. And they was like, no, this is stress. Like even being on bed rest, stressing about different things that I was unhappy about within my marriage, uh, within the pregnancy, within myself was still going to cause that. So a lot of people don't understand that these doctors are not familiar with how to deal with a preterm labor. Because if you think about it, doctors, when they see pregnancy, they see a joyous thing, but also they see pain caused by a woman and they need to find a way to fix it. So there's no comfort in it. They're like, we just got to make sure that we get this baby out. So every decision that was made in the process was, I would say, a horrible decision. It was a horrible experience because I couldn't get up to walk. You know, I couldn't uh, eat anything. You know, here's some ice chips, here's some water, and I'm starving. I couldn't even just take a breather and like go outside to get some fresh air. I'm stuck in the hospital for 32 hours to wait on a baby that may or may not come and no one really has answers for you. And that was probably the worst part of not having a birth plan because even though you have a plan, some things just don't go as planned and that did not go as planned for me at all. <laughs> Your story highlights some, some really good points um, of one, especially for um, birth people of color, this idea of okay we want you to go on bed rest and what that and what that entails to go on bed rest especially like you said when you are providing for your family money just doesn't fall out of the air mm -hmm. <laughs> there's people aren't always just there to help if you have other children being able to support you with that um being able to make sure that um you know, being on bed rest can be isolating at times, being able to support you emotionally and mentally through that process. Um, it takes a lot of community support. And sometimes we're just not in a place where we have all of that. Yeah. Um, and so then you have, you go into a situation where that stress of 
needing to take care of all those things still, whether you on bed rest or not, is finding its way. It lives in the body. It's, it's um, happening. And then, you know, you have a situation where baby is like, I, I just need to get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. This is not <laughs> this a safe body does not me. feel good. Right. This yeah. body does not feel safe for me. This body does not feel good to me. I need to get out. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a really important part that I, I, we don't talk about that. I, I don't think, like you said, a lot of care providers are taking into consideration. It's not just that simple. No, it's not. <laughs> Prescribed or not. You might even have some working places who don't care if you got a script. Oh, that's true. That's true. So <laughs> depending on who you're working for, what kind of insurance that you have, if you do have insurance or not, uh, they're like, okay, no one told you to get pregnant. We still have clientele and customers to handle. And if you can't fill in the seat, guess what we can do? Replace you with someone else who can, who does not have a quote unquote disability, because that's usually how they see it. You got pregnant, you're bringing life into this world. That can be considered a disability because you are not able to do certain things that you were able to do before you were pregnant. And I felt like I was a a disability to them sometimes when I'm not feeling well, when I have to get up and walk around, when I have to get some water, when I have to constantly use the bathroom. You know, having to hear a supervisor, are you okay? You went to the bathroom again and it's been like 30 minutes. Uh, I don't have control over my bladder. <laughs> what do you want me to do? Pee on myself? I have to get up and go to the bathroom. So a lot of uh, corporations and workplace uh, environments do not understand what it takes. One of the probably one of the most stressful things there was not only uh, things that are going on at home, but things that are going on at work. So it's like, where is the balance for me to be stress free? I go to work, I feel stressed. I come home, I feel stressed. Where else can I go to feel like I'm not stressed out? And when you're telling the doctor, well, is there anyone? Is there anywhere you can go or you can stay with? I have children. Where am I going to go? Who am I going to stay with? I'm married. <laughs> uh, you want me to leave my job? You want me to ditch a uh, home? You want me to ditch my husband and do what? With what money? Like, I, it just didn't make sense to me. So that was one of the biggest things for me, like an eye, eye opener. And I think it's the reason why I waited so long to have another child. And I was more careful because once I had her, and I would just try to completely two different experiences and two different things. And I, sometimes I feel bad because I'm like, I did not want you in the beginning. And I sometimes feel like one day if she knows that or she hears that or anything, I would have to explain why. And I think these conversations are important because it's not that you don't want your child. Your child's not asking to be here, but it's just like, are you honestly prepared for what's going to come? even after birth, you know, there's postpartum and there is raising a child and then you still have the anxiety of when the child's here, you got to watch out for SIDS. You got to watch out for the flu. You got to watch out for vaccines. And then once the child turns one and you feel like you're out the clear, because that's how I felt like, okay, she's turning one. We're good. I can get some sleep now. Guess what happens when she turns three? She has febrile seizures that I did not know anything about. Woke up one morning in the middle of the night and she's having a seizure. And I don't know what's going on. I'm like, okay, I'm about to really lose my child now. And they tell me, oh, it's normal. It happens when the fever spikes up 
and is not controlled. It can happen two or three times uh, between the ages of two and five. I did not know that as a parent. Why are we not talking about these things to get people ready? And you know, it's just, you're never out the clear with children. And that's one thing to really keep in mind. That's just one of those things, absolutely absolutely crazy as a, a whole journey as um as a mother like every child is different so everyone's going to go through different things but having these conversations and preparing for that is what's really important i'm sitting here listening to you and i'm just like talk that talk talk that talk <laughs> like it's just like yes like if you don't work for like a woman who's given birth like if they're not your supervisor or the owner of the company or the ceo like I think every company needs a consultant that has one given birth, raised a family, and just go from there. Like, let them guide you into how policy should be for families. Um, If you want a woman to show up at her best, you have to be able to support her in all the things, right? I mean, we can get the job done, right? That's not the problem, (laughs) is having the resources and support that's supports that right that just allows for maybe I'm not working on Tuesday but if you get me on Monday and Wednesday I'm I can knock this whole project out right because that's when I have affordable reliable child care but maybe you don't really need me on Tuesdays because that's not a good day for me right I mean it's these small things that allow us to be more productive um, and more focused on the job at hand if I've got all these other things in my mind going on, then it, it is hard to complete the work. It is hard to, you know, manage things. And we're not super women, right? We're not really super women. We're human women. <laughs> um, and you need us. You need us to keep creating children and building this world, right? So yeah. it's not that we're not having babies is necessary. One, for the human race. <laughs> so that's what we do but we can also do these other things and that is spot on yeah absolutely absolutely I think that's one of the biggest things is pregnancy in the workforce so I feel like preparation is definitely definitely key especially in the very beginning preparing yourself for what's going to come in the next nine months I do want to go back um, because I mean this podcast is a place for conversations and you know, you brought up having to have the conversation with your daughter um, as she gets older or if she hears about like the beginning mm-hmm. of, of this. And I think I like how you were very open to like, that is a conversation we might have to have. Um, and that I think having those conversations with our children allows them to see us as humans, that we have feelings that we're not super people and um, can just go through things like it allows them to see us um, similar to them. Um, and I think, you know, where we are in this generation of raising our kids, we are trying to be more open about our feelings and things that have gone on so that our, our children can be that way too. And it starts with just being open with them about how we're feeling and how things have affected us. Yeah, and definitely being honest with them, because I know that's going to be, you know, children are curious. So how was it when you were pregnant with me? Every pregnancy is different depending on where you are in your journey, who you're around, what you're going through, if you're having health issues, if you're not having health issues. So it was something that 
like I said, it was very unexpected. Uh, and so, you know how you feel like comfortable within your pregnancy or you feel confident? I was not confident in that pregnancy. I didn't take any, I didn't take any maternity pictures. Uh, I had a baby shower, but then it was scheduled after she was born. So a small little baby shower, but I wasn't confident. I wasn't happy. You know, I was just like, I'm just a parent at this point. Like, you know, I have my responsibilities. I'm not going to neglect my child, but, but I wasn't happy within myself, you know, the compliments of, you know, people think it's all about the snapback and it's just like, that's not really it. You know, that's just part of it. But internally you have to snap back, you know, you got to get yourself together on the inside before you focus on the outside. And people don't think about that, which is where postpartum comes in. We don't prepare for postpartum because our body changes. The body you had before you were pregnant is not the same body you're going to have after you have that child. And, you know, your confidence begins to go lower and lower and lower. And we have to prepare for that. We have to have those conversations of what you can do before, you know, you look at yourself in the mirror and think something's wrong with you because nothing's wrong with you. You're just going through another change. And I feel like preparation is everything, you know, and having those conversations with your family, friends, people who are in your support group who can uplift you and remind you. Sometimes we need that. We need to be our own cheerleaders, but sometimes it's good to hear from other people like, girl, you still look good. Like, don't worry about that. We're going to work on that in six weeks. Like you have six months. You, you don't have to worry about that right now. Like, you know, focus on your child. Your body is going to come at the end of the day. Those are definitely important points you hit there. And I'm glad we're talking about it. Um, just that it's not even just, like you said, it's not just the snapback of the body. It's the snapback of the brain. Like mm-hmm. I'm going through something like we just, this whole body went through trauma, right? Mm-hmm. And how we look at trauma as being like this horrific thing, but trauma is just, you know, sudden change, right? Um, how we just have these, this something just happened different in my body. Um, it doesn't look the same. My mind isn't the same. I'm trying to wrap my head around all the new roles and responsibilities now to this new little human and what they need from me on top of whatever everybody else needed to and what do I need can we put that first yeah can we put that first because if I put me first y'all gonna be good <laughs> but if I keep yeah. putting me back here ain't nobody gonna be nobody's gonna be good and I think that's what we forget because we have children and people forget like okay, my baby comes first, my baby comes first. And we sometimes feel guilty to do that, but it's necessary. If you need rest, but you do not get any rest because you have to constantly run around after your kids and you don't have any assistance. You're not asking anyone for assistance. Guess what's going to happen? You're going to pass out and you're going to be no good to your child. You're going to be bad and you're going to be no good to your child. If you're not eating properly, you're going to be no good to your child. So I constantly have to remind myself that, hey, Sometimes I need a break. Um, So you started talking a little bit about you got to the hospital and they were like, baby's coming. Can you tell us about the rest of the birth? Yes. So I was in labor for 32 hours. So I was dilating, but I wasn't dilating fast enough. And eventually they were like, if we go to 36 hours, then we're going to have to do a C-section. Uh, and I was like, I do not want to see such a, oh my God, just can you just please come out? And I feel like she was ready because of the stress from the body, but she wasn't ready at the same time. So 
Uh, at 32 weeks, they checked me. I was around nine and a half centimeters. And what's crazy is I felt myself pushing, but because I didn't take any epidural, I didn't take any medication. They, oh, you know, those anesthesiologists, they come in like every hour. You sure you don't want anything? You sure you don't want anything? I'm like, no, I don't want anything. You look like you're in pain. I'm, yes, I'm in pain, but I'm going to be okay. So I kept buzzing the nurse, like, I think something's wrong. I think something's wrong. And they just, they just, I don't know what they were doing. Like, are you guys chilling? Like, hey, I think something's wrong. Finally, she comes and she looks under the cover and she sees that, oh my God, her head is coming. Let me call the doctor. I say, what were they doing? So they're like, don't push. And I'm trying to hold it. It's like, all right, all right, you can push. And the position that they had me in was so uncomfortable. I, I pushed her out. They just, I feel like they threw a football at me. They gave her to me. Here she is. And I'm like, oh my God. And they took her away. Like, she's super, she's super small. We have to check on her. And I'm like, I didn't get that time to bond with her because I feel like once she came out, I was like, she's actually here. Oh my gosh. And that's, that's when that excitement came that I finally wanted throughout the pregnancy. It came because I'm looking at her. And then I also feel guilty because she's so small. And I'm like, I could have done so many other things. But I'm just like, I can't do anything about it now. Uh, they went to go check on her. They told me she was four pounds and two ounces. Uh, she's going to have to be in a NICU. So she was in a NICU for 10 days. Uh, she ripped me, so I had to get uh, stitches. And then I had some bleeding. Uh, so I was in the hospital for three days. Uh, and it was a very uncomfortable experience uh, because I felt like there was no really no communication. Uh, a lot of people between the nurses and a doctor were just telling me like, okay, yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to try that. And we're going to check on you every hour and let us know if you need us and no one there to be found when I need them. And I think that's why it was the worst experience for me because uh, I know how it is to go into labor. I know how it is to push out a child. And for it to be the third time was the worst time because the first time it was like five hours. He's out. Let's go. Oh my gosh. Spend time. And he was small too. All my children are around five pounds and he was small, but I had time to, you know, bond with him. And then they cleaned them up. And then same thing with my second child, my first daughter, but this one is like, they didn't understand what was going on. Uh, my daughter did will not want to eat. So they said, we're going to have to give her a feeding tube. Uh, we're going to have to, now I had milk coming, so I had bottles of breast milk and they had to uh, feed it to her that way through a feeding tube. Uh, she had jaundice. Uh, she was off the uh, oxygen, so she was breathing on her own after two days. Uh, but it was an uncomfortable experience because I had to go there every single day. I couldn't stay with her, so I had to go to the NICU every single day, watch her, look at her, uh, have like all this protective gear, can't really touch her, can't take her out of this bubble that she's in. And I completely feel guilty. Like this is all my fault. So I was like, what I can do now is do my best, pump my breast milk, uh, visit her every single day. And I, I stayed in the hospital for eight hours. I brought my lunch with me. I brought my entertainment with me. I wasn't, I wasn't leaving. I'm like, Hey, you know, I'm still paying you daycare. You watch these kids. I'm going to go, you know, see my baby. So I, I thank God for the NICU, uh, but the whole experience of going through that and actually having to put her in the NICU was like, 
you know, when you see your, your children with wires and not wanting to eat and you're doing the best you can, oh, I feel like every day I cried. But I'm like, can something, you know, better happen? It was day five was when they was like, okay, we don't need the feeding tube anymore. Day six, okay, we don't need the UV light anymore. Day seven, okay, uh, her blood work came back well. Day eight, okay, we're going to do the car seat test, see if she can go home. Day eight, she failed the car seat test. I'm like, oh, oh my God, back, back to square one. Day nine, she don't want to eat again. And I'm like, okay, listen, little girl, you're going to have to leave this hospital. So I'm going to need you to get back on your schedule of eating, pass this car seat test so we can go home. I don't want to come back here no more. I want you to come home with me. So let's go. Day 10, they call me. She's feeding well. Her blood work came back well. She passed the car seat test. Come get your child. And that's when I was like, okay. I'm gonna come get my baby and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do better. You know, I'm gonna do better. And I feel like now that she's six, <laughs> uh, she has her, she has me wrapped around her little finger. Like when she asked me for something, I guess, I guess that guilt comes to me like, well, I remember what you went through. So I'm like, okay, yes, I'll do it for you. Uh, but I wish I was more prepared. You know, I wish I was more prepared. I think I was thinking about myself. And I'll think about myself and my own personal issues than thinking about my child as well. It has to be, well, there's no such thing as a balance, but you have to think of both, you know, what's best for you and your child, not just you. I think it's that. And then I'm also, there's just a lot, there's like a, a real um, sitting in the back of my mind. It's just how, how we have, and we, I mean, as in society and our world have really in this current state failed supporting birthing parents. Mm -hmm. Um, And just thinking about how your, all the layers of your journey and what structures could have been in place to be able for a doctor to be like, okay, you're on bed rest, but let, I want you on bed rest, but let me call these three organizations and they'll have X, Y, and Z for you. Um, (laughs) Or you, (laughs) You know, or, you have to see our faces in that right. moment. And if you are a parent in this pandemic, then you already know the faces. <laughs> you know, or you need meals. I know these, here's these, these four chefs we work with that have a meal prep thing for you. Um, you know, you, and, and maybe all of these things exist already. They probably already exist. I know that. But the, hospital system the care system has not figured out how to tap into those resources so that when they have these cares of plans they're able to actually tap into the community that can hold these hold people up because they're only seeing us when we go into our visits they're not doing all the other things like they're not with us at home they're not with us in our communities right um, there's no bridge right there's yeah, no bridge. yeah that's that's the hospital is. and you fall off the cliff <laughs> Yeah, there, there is, there isn't. And I also think that it's different from someone who has an organization and has that mission versus a hospital who have to file protocol from different foundations, the federal government, you know, I feel like it's not about all of that and that, you know, the resources that is available. I feel like it's about money. 
I feel like those resources, those, re those resources are found within our community and connecting within our community, which is why I decided to actually do a home birth versus doing the hospital this time. Uh, because my midwife, she recommends things that I'm like, what? <laughs> why isn't this talked about? And she said, because hospitals and doctors, you know, they see births as like a disease like this is something we have to attack and you know hurry up and make sure that we can get rid of and she's in pain and we have medication so there's something that's always provided with medication as an alternative to make things better while with uh home birth or working with a midwife everything is natural the pain is supposed to happen your body is supposed to go through this this is something that was made for uh and you don't have to lay up in a bed you know you don't have to do all of that walk around during your labor you know ease that pain because i'm um, sitting in a bed <laughs> while you're going through labor you're just confined to that bed and all these contractions and these movements that are hitting you, you are like, I'm pissed. Like, why is this really happening to me? But if you know how it is, like you have a trolley horse and you're working out, what do you do to get rid of that trolley horse? You have to stretch it out. It's the same thing if you're having contract contractions. You can't just sit in the bed. You have to get up and walk around. And it's not, I feel like they have, they're, they're on two different spectrums. They have two different ideas and your baby's gonna turn over and switch and have different movements. And it's not something that scares them. I think that's the best part, it doesn't scare them. We, you know, this is natural. You know, the pain is natural. Uh, you pushing out a baby is natural. And you're in the comfort of either a birthing center or your home and you're not confined to a bed. If you want to get up and squat and push out your baby, you can get up and squat and push out your baby, like right in the kitchen or the living room if you want to. And that is completely okay. I feel like now versus then, I've done so much more research. I've talked to so much more experts that are like, oh yes, that's beautiful. Let's come up with an amazing plan to oh, wait, um, so you don't want to take the epidural? You don't want to do this? You don't want to take that? You don't want to get induced? Like, no, I don't want all of that. That's completely unnatural to my body. Everyone has their own choices, but I always suggest you always doing, you know, do your research and see what's best for you. Because I'm like in love right now. Like, ooh, this is going to be a nice, nice journey. <laughs> It's always important to make sure you're doing the research, but also, you know, research isn't always just a web check, right? Um, oh, no. Sometimes it's just talking to other people in your community, like, even if you do choose a hospital birth and saying, you know, what is this doctor like? What is this midwife like? You know, um, what are, what do they, quote unquote, allow, right? <laughs> so, um, how, what was your experience like with them? You know, in that way, you do have all of the options because some people may not have um, the option to do the home birth, even if it's something mm -hmm. they desire, whether it be financial or they can't, you know, get on the same page with their partner um, to feel comfortable to do it. Because if you're going to have somebody with you, you got to be comfortable and everybody needs to be on some level comfortable yes, for a home birth um, or they're going to jack up your space. <laughs> so Yes, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> and seeing different resources because people are asking us like, how are you guys able to do a home birth? Well, some, depending on your state, some home births will allow uh, half of your insurance to pay for it. Some states won't. 
So sometimes you have to come out of pocket. I have my midwife that I have appointments with and I have my doctor that I have appointments with. And it's so funny because I said, well, I want to do a home birth and I've been doing some research and I'm going to get a midwife. And at first she was a little upset, like, oh, you sure you want to do that? And, you know, and I know some of doctors will be upset about you wanting to do a home birth because it, it affects, you know, the corporate pay. I, I know it's all about money, <laughs> but uh, my doctor actually trained in my midwife. So when I told her who it was, she felt ease, like, oh, I know her. She's like one of the best in the county. Okay, you're good. You're in good hands. So it kind of gave me that relief, like, okay, now my doctor is okay with my midwife, my midwife's okay with my doctor, and now we can all communicate to hit a common goal. I feel like communication is very, very important, and, you you know, doing your research and finding what's what's best for you. You know, sometimes your doctor may have resources for you if you just ask, like, hey, you know, I want to be able to do this. Is this, is this possible for me? What does this look like? And they may say, you know what, we have somebody that can assist you with that. You know, someone within their resource that can assist you with that, that can still be affordable or within your insurance. So it's all about opening your mouth and saying something and asking, like, you know, what, what is available for me? You know, because I want to do things a little differently this time. You know, don't ever just take what the doctor gives you. You know, you're supposed to know your body. The doctor works for you. You don't work for the doctor. So, <laughs> you know, let your doctor know what you're comfortable with, what you're not comfortable with, what you will allow, what you won't allow. So I feel like, you know, being able to communicate research and having boundaries of understanding what's best for you and your body and having those conversations with your doctor, because at the end of the day, it's your body. Delane, you tapped into your daughter's experience after um, you gave birth. How was postpartum for you? Like once you actually got home and for your so, new family? Yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, once I got home, I experienced postpartum the first two months and I snapped out of it. I snapped out of it. And then I ended up getting a therapist as well because I feel like therapy is very important. Uh, going from two to three children. And then uh, I think once I had to go back to work because it was for six weeks and then I extended it to eight weeks and I'm like, I have to put this brand new baby that just got out of the NICU into daycare. And I'm like, if something happens to my child, I'm going to kill somebody. Like I was so, so scared. And then having to still, I was, I'm an advocate of breastfeeding, so I'm like, how is that going to work with, you know, at, at, at my job, you know, pumping and having that time, you know, having to speak to my supervisors, like, Hey, you know, I have to pump every three hours and I need to be able to have a, a healthy, safe environment to do that. So it's just like different things like that. I'm like, you know, how am I supposed to continue on if I can't even effectively take care of my children in an area to where, you know, I can transition back into working and, you know, balancing things with daycare and, you know, breastfeeding. So I think we have to make it more normal. Uh, so I didn't experience postpartum too much because I've already felt the guilt of what I went through, through my pregnancy. And I didn't want to make it any worse because I'm like, if I go through this and I shut down, my child is really screwed at the, at the end of the day. And I did not want that. So any chance I got, I kept trying to uplift myself. 
Uh, I didn't want to really look at my body too much because I know that's a trigger that's going to get me down. I said, okay, that's something I can work on later on. Uh, let me get this job together because they are completely bugging. And let me make sure that I can get myself together internally and, you know, enjoy my children, enjoy being a mom. And that's what I did. So postpartum wasn't too hard for me. And I think that's because I've already made up my mind to prepare for it if something wants to come. So going to therapy every week, which was not, you know, an option. It was mandatory. Going to therapy every week and transitioning into this new person, you know, going from mom two to three definitely have to prepare for that and talk about it you know talk about the things that upset you talk about the things that you wish you could change and talk about the goals for the future you know what are your goals for when your baby turns six months or one year or two years or goals for yourself as a parent and one of my goals were to be more active or to provide uh, more of myself you know to not be so uptight <laughs> and like drill sergeant but to be like fun a little bit and be able to do more things with them and you know take them out the house and just let it be about them for a moment and enjoy those memories and make those memories I'm always like showing my children like look what happened when you were like two and they're like what you still have that so just enjoying those memories and making those memories well, thank you so much um, for sharing your story today uh, and sharing, sharing that with us. Is there anything else that you want to share with listeners, whether that's resources, advice, anything else from your birth? Uh, my advice is to find other resources on how to not stress uh, during your pregnancy, making sure that you put, at this time, you want to put yourself first, but during your pregnancy, you definitely have to put your child first. And always thinking of putting your child first, being around people who are not negative. You know, if you're excited about certain things and you want to be happy and you, you just want to do things that makes you happy, don't be around people who do not make you happy. That is definitely a trigger that can either spike your blood pressure, spike your pulse, or even spike your stress. So definitely being around positive people who care about you and care about your health. And staying away from environments that don't care about that or trying to escape at least temporarily uh, from that. And it's doing your research, doing your research, seeing what your state provides, seeing what your county provides, what your city provides, and speaking to other moms who's went through it as well. Because I think that is the biggest thing that helped me, talking about other moms and what they went through and even making jokes because laughter is really what soothes the heart. So sometimes it sucks but find a way to laugh because oh my gosh it's not always going to be bad but just laughing at things laughing at yourself you know even if you are embarrassed or you did something dumb or you lose your memory you know or you're eating so much you know just laugh at yourself because there are good moments and then there are bad moments but understand that you want the good moments to outweigh the bad moments indeed thank you thank you thank you Oh, so appreciative. <laughs> no problem. Thank you so much for having Birth me. Stories really in Color. To hear this show and other episodes, head to birthstoriesincolor.com. 